You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Our scripture reading comes from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and it can be found at page 1001 of the Church Bibles. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. You may be seated. Good morning. How's everybody? Good. Okay, like two of you. Doing good. That's good. I'm glad. Um, hey, just uh, if you found your way in uh, to our worship service, like a little after we got started, just an important announcement. Next week, after the second service, which is this service, we're having a potluck. That's kind of an old word, but we're doing, bring your favorite Christmas dish that you like to share, and we're going to eat food afterwards. So, um, sound cool? So, we want to do more things like that. Uh, we, did, we did a football thing, chili cook-off, and um, that, was, that was a lot of fun for me because the Eagles won that game. For the, yes, I know. <laughs> but, you know, I can, they're not going to go to the playoffs, but I'll take a win when we get it. All right. Okay, ushers can come forward and take, take the offering. If you're visiting with us, <clears throat> if you're visiting with us, one, I don't have COVID. Two, um, <laughs> please don't feel obligated to give. But if you could let us know how you found out about us, that would be awesome. There's a card in the back of the seat in front of you. You can fill that out and just drop it off in the box on your way out. That would be fantastic. If you have a prayer request, we pray for every prayer request that's submitted. And so... Uh, uh, we do that every Tuesday afternoon when we, when we have our staff meeting. So, all right. Let's, um, let's do this. Instead of, uh, have, you know, because we, we want to take prayer very seriously. We want that to become a part of the culture of, of, of Meadowbrook. Um, but what I want to do is I want to do, I want to open up our time with prayer but I also want to leave room for at the end of the service that if you want to just to be able to pray in light of what, um, what you heard during the message or how God is challenging you, I want to save time for that as well. So let's do this. Let's just close our eyes or whatever your posture is for prayer. 
And uh, I'm just going to lead you in this prayer. And I'll just say this. Let's, so as we, as we go before the Lord in prayer, pray this. Pray that God will open your heart to whatever it is he wants to bring to your attention through, um, through the message today. Just take time. Just pray in the quietness of your own heart. Just pray for that. Pray that God will soften your heart to his word. Pray that whatever distraction or distractions that you have had this week or even right now that God will... God will quiet your heart down, quiet your anxiety down so that you can hear what he wants to say to you today. God, I ask that you will just speak to us through your word. We pray that your, your Holy Spirit, that, that he will have his way with us as your word is uh, proclaimed, that your Spirit will, your Holy Spirit will just change us and generate life in us and, and soften our hearts and just transform us, God, that, that you would just give us ears to hear as we just come together to, to, to celebrate the reality that you are a generous God who has given your son that we might be redeemed and uh, know what it means to be sons and daughters of, of, of you, of the living God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what I want to do to just open things up is I just want to share some facts. I have some, some facts that I, I, I Googled, and uh, I'm not going to tell you what source I got these from, but these are, first, I can tell these are all true statements. And I'm just going to share them with you. And you can do with, with this, whatever you want with this information. Here we go. All right. So, one, uh, some cats are allergic to humans. Sometimes cats behave like that altogether, don't they? Like they're, uh, the apple pie is not really American. The national animal of Scotland is, let's see if anybody can get this. Unicorns, Unicorns yes. Did you say that, Rob? Yeah, you, you would know that. You, you, you do, yeah. Rob will come up to me after the service. Did you know this? Did you know that? So, good. I'm not surprised you knew that. But I didn't know that before this week. Um, the uh, 100 folds in a chef's hat represent 100 ways to cook an egg. Uh, the uh, Facebook has more users than the total population of China or India. That is, uh, so basically, number of users is 2.89 mil, uh, million monthly, or a billion, I'm sorry, 2.89 billion. That's crazy. Uh, the odds of getting a royal flush are exactly one, and anybody get this one? If you get this one, I will give you a gift card. Okay, good. Um, 
649,740, or 649, anyway. Four times more people speak English as a second language than as a native language. Uh, there, there's an Australian bird that has the ability of mimicking mostly any sound, including car alarms, camera shutters, and even a chainsaw, only in Australia. Uh, let's see what else. I'm not going to read all of them to you. Uh, there's a world record for the most world records held at a single time. I didn't know that. The largest sandcastle in the world is 54 feet tall or 54 feet high. Chocolate is a fruit, sort of. You can Google it, yes. Um, you can have chocolate smoothies now, and uh, you can do a chocolate fast. Some people do a juice fast, now you can do a chocolate fast. Right, Brian? Um, <laughs> the baby elephants, suck, ba baby elephants suck their trunks for comfort. I thought that was cute. Roller coasters were invented to, <laughs> roller coasters were invented to distract Americans from sin. Did you know that? No. I hate roller coasters. My, my son's convinced me to go on a roller coaster one time when we're in Disney World. Oh, my goodness. I was angry afterwards. It was, it was like, why? Why did I do that? Why did I cave to the peer pressure of my boys? Like, I, I'm the adult. Um, <clears throat> people used to say prunes instead of saying cheese while having their picture taken. So you can say that during your Christmas gathering. Say prune. Um, and then, the last one, it is impossible to hum a melody while holding your nose. Now, some of you are tempted. Is that true? I want to try it. Go ahead, try it. You can try it now. Just hum a, uh, None of you are going to try it. The first service, like half the people are like, okay, fine. And so, all right. <clears throat> Why did I share all that, not, all that information <laughs> to you um, or with you? Sometimes we treat the Bible that way. We read the Bible, get some information, it's in our brains, and we do, we do nothing else with it or little else with it, right? Like we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, um, which is an amazing, amazing section of Scripture. And uh, the temptation is, and maybe even the danger is that, you, that we read it together, that we look at it together, that we put our noses in, our in the Bible together, and... And all that comes of it is that you learn a few facts about Jesus and nothing more happens as a result. You know, we even treat the gospel that way. Sometimes we, we treat the gospel as, okay, here are the facts. Jesus lived a life I could never live. He lived the perfect life. Okay, got that down. He, he, he was perfect in every way. And then he died on the cross for my sins. Okay, I got that down. That's good, okay. And then he rose on the third day. And if I believe those things about Jesus, I will be saved. And we treat the gospel that way. Uh, we, we, we treat it kind of as, a, as an initiation point where we, you know, some facts that we agree with to get into his kingdom. One author said this, uh, a pastor, he said, the gospel is not a hotel to pass through, but a home to live in. Not a gateway into the Christian life, but the pathway of the Christian life. Not jumper cables to get the Christian life started, but an engine to keep the Christian life going. Now think about that. Like, one, one pastor said, we need to preach the gospel to our hearts every day. And I agree with that 100%. The book of Hebrews, 
is written, actually it's a sermon. It's a sermon manuscript that we have in our Bible. It was written out for the benefit of a suffering church. These Christians uh, had their properties taken from them. They had, uh, they had lost their jobs. They had, some of them had been disowned by their own family because of their faith in Jesus. And uh, even some were in danger of losing their lives. And so, so the author of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but the author of Hebrews starts off to say, this is what you need to know because I want to encourage your heart. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And then he just gives a list of, uh, of, of, of who Jesus is. He gives a, just this list of character traits of Jesus as a way to encourage the heart's of these Christians. And so what I want to do is just look at three things we learned from this passage. One is that God has spoken to us. And, um, you know, if you have a Bible or a digital de device that you read your Bible on, you, you want to be tracking with me. If you don't, you can just listen. That's fine too. But he begins by stating, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That, that's, if you think about the truth of, of that statement, that's staggering. That the God of all creation, we looked last week at this generous God, that was week one, God is, you know, that the, the God gives himself, that he has given himself to all of creation by creating you and creating me. He did the mo one of the most loving things he could have possibly done is that he created us to know the most, the, the most amazing, most beautiful, greatest reality in the universe, namely himself. I said last week, God is not, you know, I said that the, that the earth, that humanity is not the center of God's universe. God is the center of God's universe, and he has invited you to be able to know him and to enjoy him. That was last week. So if you missed it last week, you can check it out online. This week, that God gives his son, or he gives the son. And, and so he, long ago, and many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, in that he is not indifferent, he is not removed from reality, he is not off in some, you know, on vacation somewhere. He is intimately acquainted with his creation and with you and I as human beings. He is a personal God. He's not like, well, I think Thomas Jefferson and, um, and some of our founding fathers believe he was somewhere out there. He existed, but he was distant. He is not the God of the deists. He is a personal God. He is a personal God. And he spoke to humanity in you know, many times and in many ways by the prophets. The prophets didn't share their idea of God. They weren't giving their opinion of God. God spoke by the prophets and through the prophets to communicate himself to you and to me. Like I've said this over and over again, I'll say it again, it's one of the reasons why we stand at the reading of God's word, that from Genesis all the way through Revelation, it's God's love letter to you. When we read these words, when you heard Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 read, you heard the very voice of God. We believe that. It's the word of God. It's authoritative. Um, and, and it's the way God has revealed, one of the ways that God has revealed himself to us. The thing that the author of Hebrews does not do is he doesn't try to prove the existence of God. He just assumes God exists. And he doesn't give us like a scientific reasoning for the existence of God. Although there, I think there are some really good arguments for the existence of God. But Psalm, um, 
90, verse 2, says this. This word's supposed to be fourth. Not, I <laughs> misspelled it. Um, but let's read this together. Ready? Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Yeah, so brought forth. That's the right one. Form. <laughs> are supposed. So anyway, the point is this. <laughs> is that from everlasting to everlasting, you're God. You want to know like, why God existed from, you know, before earth was created, before, before the universe was created? Because he is from everlasting to everlasting. That's why. He is God. And he revealed himself in words and deeds, through visions and through dreams, through individuals. Like he spoke to Moses through a burning bush. He commissioned Moses to lead Israel out of the bondage of, uh, of slavery from, from Egypt. Uh, he spoke through prophets like Isaiah. And he spoke through prophets in weird ways, too. Like he would tell one, one of his, his prophets, okay, I want you to lay, I think it was Jeremiah, I want you to lay on one side for a long time, just, I forget how many days, and then turn on to the other side. And, that's, and then now I want you to tell the people why you did that. Like a prophet by the name of Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute or, or a very immoral woman by the name of Gomer. I want you to marry her because I'm going to use your jacked up, broken family situation as a way to communicate my word to all of Israel and say, hey, you see this guy's family? That's you, Israel. Right? And so he spoke in many ways and many times to and through his prophets. He also revealed himself through the apostles and the disciples, through guys like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the apostle Paul, Peter. You know, the word of God is authoritative. That's why we believe it's so important to, to, to be in the word of God, be in the Bible. Like we believe it's without error here. We believe it is the, that, that the Bible is the, it has, it carries the authority of God himself. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture, all scripture is what? Breathed out by God. Let's read this together. Breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Like, you cannot develop in your relationship with God, deepen in your relationship with God, if you're not reading his word. It's impossible. Just showing up on Sunday and doing nothing outside of, you know, that, with reading his word, you, you will not grow as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. And as, as he spoke, he spoke by the prophets, and he promised through the prophets and through his, his word, he promised that a deliverer would come. And this deliverer would be the Messiah, and he would make all that is wrong with this world right. Like some of those promises include Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman. He was speaking, God was speaking to the serpent and to Adam and Eve after they had sinned. He said, between your offspring and her, her offspring, I will crush your head, or he will crush your head, speaking of Jesus, and you will strike his heel. And that happened at the cross. At the cross, the serpent, the devil, struck the heel of Jesus. He wounded him. And when Jesus rose from the grave, I believe, the serpent's head was crushed, and it will be finally crushed one day when, when the devil is thrown into the lake of fire. And there was other promises, a promise that was made to a really jacked up guy by the name of Judah. 
who was not a moral person, but it was, it was, it was made a, uh, he was given this promise about his gene pool, about his family line. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Speaking of Jesus, I mean, these are some of the verses you, you, like, you typically don't see Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 on your Christmas cards, right? You typically don't see uh, Genesis chapter 49, verse 10 on your Christmas card. Like, you know, the, the individual by the name of Judah didn't really, like, exude morality in his life. But we do see verses like Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name, what? Emmanuel. And what does that mean? God with us. And in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, you, O Bethlehem, you're too little to be, you know, like you're unnoticeable. Like nothing, nothing really important is, is thought to have come out of Bethlehem. But you, you, little among the clans, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. I love this line. Whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And all these were promises about Jesus. That the way that God would, fulfill, would, would, would reveal himself in the most fullest, most complete way, according to the author of Hebrews, is through his son, Jesus. Jesus is the com most complete revelation of God. And, um, and so, my second point, God revealed himself to us. Mary was visited by an angel. Gabriel, and he said to her, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never what? Will never end. It will never end. Like I said this <laughs> during the Daniel series, like kingdoms come and go. God raises up kingdoms, he deposes them. And, and what we learn from the Bible is that there's only one kingdom that will last forever and ever and ever, and that is the kingdom of God. That's the last sermon in this series just before Christmas. We'll talk about that. But, but so when Jesus was born on that very first Christmas night, and for the first time in history, God took on human flesh. And I say this every Christmas. When Jesus was born, he didn't come out of the womb singing hymns and Christmas carols. Right? Like that, that Christmas carol, No Crying He Makes, eh, wrong answer. Right? Anybody who's had any baby knows that babies cry. And so he cried. Why did he cry? Because he was hungry and he was cold and angry. He was probably, like, all babies are angry when they come out. Like, uh, like they, it was warm where I was. I was comfortable. Why am I here now? Right? And so, so he, he was dependent upon Mary for food and, 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 and for her milk. And, and he had to have his diaper changed. And he had to learn language. And he was, he, he was introduced to new foods. Some of them probably he didn't like. And some of them he did like. And so apparently he liked fish, right? Because in the Gospels, he, after he rose from the grave, he said, let's have fish. And so... Um, I don't know if fish will be in heaven. Some of you are like, I hope not. Please, no fish. Um, I love sushi, so I'm looking forward to sushi in heaven. But, but all those things. The Bible says he humbled himself. This is how he humbled himself. He became like us. And why did he do that? 
Well, according to the author of Hebrews in chapter 4, so that we may have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Which made Jesus' brothers not very happy. <laughs> like, how can you, like, I used to pick on my brother all the time, my younger brother, and, and I, I, would, I, would, I would make him, I, I would strongly compel him to throw away his sandwiches, and then I would go tell on him and to get him in trouble. I was mean. I was very mean to him. And, um, like, <laughs> Jesus was perfect in every way. Like, you know, his brothers couldn't, and he did have brothers, by the way. Like, Mary and Joseph had kids afterwards. James was one of them. James wrote James. It's in uh, the epistles in the, in the Bible. And, uh, you know, what are they going to say? Uh, Jesus lied? No, Mary and Joseph were like, he can't, he, nope, he didn't lie. He's, he's God in the flesh. Like, he, he won't lie. So I don't know what that was, uh, those dynamics were like. But he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Why? So that he can identify with you and identify with me. And the author of Hebrews says that, that you know, not only did God speak to and by his prophets, but in these, verse 2, in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. That this was the fullest and most complete way that God could reveal himself. And, and, and what we learn in the Bible is that Jesus is God's yes to all of his promises in the Bible. But Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, he said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Meaning, just because Jesus was born doesn't absolve us from being obedient to the Ten Commandments. If you're wondering, well, where's that in the Bible? Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the first four commandments. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the last six commandments. As a Christian, you are, not, you are not given a license to live however you want as if the gospel is your fire insurance to get you out of hell. The gospel will transform your life. It will affect you in such a way that will, it will result in you wanting to live a different life. Like, like the... The uh, reformers, and Martin Luther said this, that the salvation is by grace through, alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But he said, but, but the grace, or the faith, the, the gospel producing this work in your life is not alone. There will be fruit as a result of it, that your life will change. And so Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. I am the fulfillment of the law. Before I came, it was impossible to obey God and to love him. As a result of my, my, my coming and my death and my resurrection, uh, you are now able to love God as you ought. That's next week's sermon, by the way. That's where I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit. Like, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. So men like Noah believed God that it would rain. Men like Abraham were characterized by their deep faith in, the, in, this, in this God uh, who told them, leave, leave your hometown and go to this city that I will show you eventually. Um, men like Moses withstood Pharaoh. Men like David slew the Goliaths of the world because they knew that their God, they, they knew God through the message that was given to them, you know, through, through, through incomplete people, right? But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. He is, and he goes on to say, he is the radiance. So he continues in verse 3. Um, well, he appointed the heir of all things through whom he created the world. And then he goes in verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. What is he saying there? He's saying 
Here's how Jesus is God's most complete and fullest revelation of himself. You don't need anything else beyond Jesus, right? He is it, and, and here's why. Um, he is the radiance of the glory of God, meaning that just as you, just when you see the light, you see the sun, right? And, and, and when you see Jesus, you see the Father. Uh, he is the exact imprint of his nature. What does that mean? Well, that means that, uh, it, it, like in, in the days that Hebrews was written, the way that they would <clears throat> print a coin uh, was a, similar to the way you would, you know, put your signet on, with wax on a scroll. I mean, it would be the exact imprint of whatever that mold was. And the point here that's being made is not that Jesus was created. I said this in the first service. You got to hear this. Um, Jesus was not created. He had no beginning and no end. He is, God, he is equal with God in that he is a member of the Trinity. He's not, you, you don't have different... Um, Different forms of God. You have the Father, Son, then you might have the then you have the Father, God, the Son. You know, so you got God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Those aren't different forms of God. They are all part of this triune being who is God. Three persons, one God. Now wrap your mind around that. That's a hard one. Um, he is Jesus is never created. He is God. That's the point that's being made. And in case there's any wonder as to you know what does that mean? Well. It means this, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Meaning the reason why you are here today is because of Jesus. The reason why our, our solar system and planet Earth is in the orbit that it's in, is, according to Hebrews, is because of Jesus. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And he demonstrated that power throughout his life on Earth before he went to the cross. Like one such story we, we read about in Matthew chapter 4. If you're taking notes, you can read it sometime. It's Matthew chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. I'll just retell it. So the disciples and Jesus were in a boat, and there was this huge storm. It was, it was big enough that these seasoned fishermen were really legitimately afraid for their lives. They thought they were going to drown. And Jesus was taking a nap. <laughs> And so they finally woke up Jesus, like, don't you care? Like, we're going to drown. Like, this is crazy. Help us bail out water. They just needed more hands. They, were, they didn't expect Jesus to do anything other than grab a bucket and empty water out of, the, out of the boat. And so Jesus got up and said, you know, where's your faith? And then he looked at the storm, and we're told that he rebuked the thunder, and he hushed the waves. And everything was calm. And then the response to the disciples. See, we read this story, and we're like, oh, that's a neat story. Their response was, they were filled with great fear. This was a different kind of fear than the fear that they had when they thought the boat was going to capsize. They were, feared, they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What they were doing was that they, were, they, were, they witnessed what Jesus had just done, and they remembered, I believe, they remembered Psalm 107, which is the fisherman's psalm. I'll have the words on the screen. I won't ask you to read it, but I just want to take my time to read through it so you can see this. Some went down to the sea in ships. Now, in case you're wondering, that Psalm 107 is about God, okay? So some went down 
to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord. It should be cap all capitals. They saw the deeds of Yahweh. His wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits. Now, that you, when you're... When you're um, when you look like a drunk man because you're filled with fear, you're pretty, you're pretty afraid, right? Like when you, I don't know if you've ever been so afraid where, where your legs just feel weak and you're not sure you can like go on. That's what they experienced. Then listen, look, this is so awesome. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made, what did he do? He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. Isn't that awesome? Like next time you get a Jehovah Witness knocking at your door or a Mormon, you show them Psalm 107 and Mark chapter 4 and you're like, ha, explain that. <laughs> like who, why are they afraid? They're afraid because Jesus didn't fit the mold. They're like, how is this person that's in our boat demonstrating that only which God is able to do? And he has human flesh. And the point was, because he is God. He is God. And the same power that hushed the storm that day is the same power that sustains the universe. The same power that multiplied five barley loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 men and more is the same power that sustains the universe. The same power that made the demons flee at the presence of Jesus is the same power that sustains the universe. The same power that made the lame walk, the blind see, raised the dead is the same power that sustains the universe. This is the Jesus, my friends, that we worship. This is the Jesus that we are celebrating during this season, his birth. And I was just thinking about this. Like, like he sustains the universe by the word of his power. You know, I was thinking, okay, the universe. I talked about the universe last week. I am not a scientist. I, I, I'm not good at math. But I heard this illustration. It was shared by Tim Keller, who I, I listen to almost every week. And he used this illustration. I thought, this, 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 this is good. Um, if, you could, if you could just picture the earth or, or picture the universe or measure the universe with, an, like, with slices of paper, sheets of paper, if you can just think for a moment in terms of sheets of paper and, and think of our planet, you know, Earth, as a sheet of paper, it would take a stack of paper of about 70 feet high to fill planets like our size in the sun. Does that make sense? So basically the sun's huge, the Earth is really tiny, right? Here's, <laughs> here's Earth, right there. Um, Here's the sun. In case you're wondering, you, you know that. So uh, the diameter of our little galaxy, if Earth was the size of a slice of paper, would be a stack of paper 310 miles high. And we are reading in Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus sustains the universe by the word of his power. And you want him to be your consultant? <laughs> You want to treat him as, 
as your co-pilot? He is Lord. That's the point here. Like the author of Hebrews wants these Christians and wants us to know that it doesn't matter what's going on in your world. Governments may be toppled. They might, they, presidents may lose their mind. Um, you, you, all kinds of stuff may be happening in your world right now. There may be a new variant. There may be 10,000 new variants by the time we breathe our last breath and we're, we're in the grave with this whole COVID thing. But what will never change is that Jesus is Lord and he sustains the universe by the word of his power. You're here today because Jesus is Lord. And, and here's, here's the thing about this. This is where I just, I, I want you to see, see this and not look at it as a list of facts about Jesus, but something that will transform your life. And that is this. Jesus leaves no room in your life to have him a part of your life unless he is Lord. You cannot, you cannot <clears throat> Have assurance of salvation <clears throat> unless, unless you recognize Jesus as Lord. I, I'm not saying, because I, 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 we're going to see this later on in these verses, I'm not saying that you have to have all the que your theological questions answered about Jesus. What I am saying is that you need... <laughs> You do need to be settled on this, that Jesus lived a life he could never live. And the reason why he was able to do that is because he wasn't just 100% man, he was also 100% God, and he died in your place for your sins. You do need to understand that when he calls you to follow him, he means business. <clears throat> there is no room for him to be other than Lord in your life. And he loves you too much to leave you as you are. What this means, brothers and sisters, is this, is that if you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you become a follower of Jesus, he will change your life. And if your life has not been changed by him, it's probably because you do not know him as Lord. That doesn't mean that you're perfect. Well, I'm not perfect. Just ask my family, right? Um, <clears throat> but what it does mean is that you look different today than you did when you first placed your faith and trust in Jesus. And the question that begs to be answered, and only you can answer this, is what areas in your life are you holding on to that you have not yet given over to his lordship? And I do think, I think the Christian life is a journey. It's a, it's a spiritual journey, and and the more I, and this has been my experience, the more that um, as you grow closer to him, the more of your sin you will discover and the more ready you will be to hand some of that over to him. Like there's stuff that I, like when I first became a follower of Jesus, when I first became a Christian, there was stuff in my life I didn't see that needed to change. It took time that God, would, that God pointed it out to me. That's why I said a couple weeks ago, uh, I think I even said it last week, is that, you know, God, <laughs> and God um, inviting you to know him, what that shows us is that he's not repulsed by you. He pursues you anyway. He knows everything there is to know about you, even more than you know about yourself, and more than I know about myself, and he pursues us anyway. And then he, on top of that, he sent his son so that you can know him. 
Jesus said, and, and, and if you're wondering, well, where, where in the Bible are you seeing some of this? Well, Matthew chapter 7. It's kind of a scary passage because Jesus said this. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's the difference between you know, submitting yourself to the Lordship of Christ and just paying lip service to him. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who... who who treats him, treats God as Lord, or treats Jesus as Lord, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Like, the point, one of the things that we, we should glean from these verses is that Jesus is not your sugar daddy, right? He, he's, not, he's not born to just, to, to, to be your assistant or to be your consultant? I mean, how many of you listen to your consultants? Like, I had, a, I had a consultant once who I hired at a previous church, and, like, half the stuff he said I listened to, and half of them, like, okay, I'm not sure I agree with that. That's how we treat Jesus sometimes. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And um, we're called to serve him. Uh, he is our Lord, not the other way around. Which leads me to the third point, and God provided the way to be known by him. I was real th- thought, I, w- I was careful how I worded that. But, but the point of Hebrews chapter 1, or uh, as he moves on here, when he says this, he says, um, after he says he upholds the universe by the word of his power, after making purification for sins, after he died in our place for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The, what the author of Hebrews is reminding these suffering Christians of is that, is that, not only did, did God pursue you and sent his son to die in your place for your sins, but he made it so that you can be known by him and to know him. Like, you, the Bible says that every single person born on planet earth is not God's, are not God's children. We are human beings who bear his image. Every person born on this earth is born into sin, and the Bible says, not Keith Miller, the Bible says, that we are born children of the devil. That, that, that's our allegiance. That's our posturing. And, and that God still pursues us. He rescues us. And then he says, you're mine now. You're my son. You're my daughter. That's the point of Hebrews. Hebrews the author of Hebrews is saying, remember who you were and remember who you are now and know this, that you belong to him. And it doesn't matter what your family does to you. It doesn't matter what the government does to you. It doesn't matter what happens to your property. Because the one thing that will not change is the fact that you belong to him. His lordship does not change. And according to, the, according to what Jesus said, he said, nobody will ever pluck you out of my hands. That's John chapter 10, if you're wondering where that is in the Bible. So Jesus is God's final and perfect revelation of himself, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, made purification for your sins. Think about that. The word of God was born in Bethlehem to be wounded on Calvary, to die on Calvary. Like I said last week, love is, um, you know, that Jesus is, is, is love wrapped in flesh. Love wrapped up in flesh, stretched out his arms on a cross to demonstrate how much God loves you and the extent that he has gone to redeem you, regardless of your past or where you're at now. 
I mean, consider the irony in, in, in these short verses of, of what we learn about Jesus. In just five verses, we're given the seven characteristics of, of who Jesus is. He is the heir of all things. He is the creator of all things. He is the sustainer of all things. He is God above all things. He is over all things. He is supreme over all things. He is the all-sufficient savior of sinners who did not protest death, he, the, a death that he did not deserve. He went to the cross willingly. And why did he do that? Well, again, the author of Hebrews says, hey, you want to know why? Just turn to chapter 12, and I'll tell you why. For the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And why is he seated? Because he only needed to do it once. I said to you last week, in the weeks previous, like when it comes to God's love and his grace and his, and, and his mercy and his justice, his holiness, his power, like all those things. I, I, I use the word infinite. He is all those things in infinite measure. Why did I say infinite? Because he does not need to improve upon himself, right? Well, what Jesus did on the cross does not, to be, does, does not need to be improved upon. He doesn't need you to make what he did on the cross complete. That's why I said, and I keep saying, and it's a hill I'll die on, that if you have truly placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there is nothing. Listen, you, some of you need to hear this. There is nothing, nothing that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you're like, well, what does that mean? It means Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because he went to the cross, he died in your place, a death that you deserved, that I deserved, under the wrath of God, he was buried in a tomb, he rose on the third day, and he ascended into heaven, and he sat down. He sat down. The priests before him, the Levitical priesthood, they, they didn't sat, sit down after every sacrifice was made because it was ongoing, it was incomplete. But when Jesus laid down his life, it was full and it was complete. And we learn from the prophet Isaiah just exactly what he did. It says of Jesus, but he was like hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have grown astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet, listen, listen to this. This is, a, this is the irony. The word of God. <laughs> the word of God. The Gospel of John chapter 1 describes Jesus as the word of God. The word, God's most complete expression of himself is Jesus was afflicted and oppressed, yet he opened not his mouth. It was on the cross that the word of God was silent. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that, that, that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Why? Because it was the expression of God's love for you and for me. And then he sat down. There's a statement that I read. I think Charles Spurgeon said this. <clears throat> you are more sinful than you ever dare believe. You are more loved than you ever dared hope. You are more sinful than you ever believed. believed. You are more loved. 
I would say, than you can ever imagine, more than you can ever imagine. Can't wrap your mind around it, how loved you are. And if you ever doubt the love that God has for you, just look to the cross. Like, the gospel is not a gateway into God's kingdom. It is the engine that will sustain your life as you enter into his kingdom. It will change you. It will affect you. It will transform you. Why? Because Jesus is the gospel. God gave his son so that you can experience the love of a generous, infinitely generous God. And if you let that reality if you let that truth settle on your heart, it will transform you. It will change you. It will affect you. That's the difference between just believing in your head that Jesus did those things on your account and believing with your mind and your heart that he did those things on your account. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. Thank you for what we learn of Jesus. God, I thank you for the message of Hebrews. That Jesus, that he is better than everything. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the old covenant. He's better than everything because he is the fullest and most complete expression of who you are. And when we see him, we see you. And when we wonder how Jesus or how you respond to sinners, all we have to do is turn open to the gospels and see the way Jesus interacted with sinners. And so God, I thank you. Thank you for sending your son in our place. And for those who are here or those watching the live stream who do not yet know you because they do not yet know your son, God, that they would hear these words. And all who confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that you, O God, raised him from the grave will be saved. That, um, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, period. And like, like we're reminded of every Christmas, or ought to be, that when we receive a gift, we don't pay for it, we receive it. There's nothing we can add to your gift. The only thing that we can do is just to receive it. Believing that your son, Jesus, is enough. That he is all that we need. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.